I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. As someone who is so excited to garden this spring, yet really wants top quality soil, I'm really excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine, which is an esteemed brand renowned for its organic soil offerings. And if you're seeking to infuse your home environment with a nourishing essence that promotes flourishing plant life, you're going to want to listen to this because with over 28 years of expertise, Coast of Maine has meticulously crafted soils sourced from oceanic waters and farms certified for organic cultivation. It's so nice to find such a sustainable sustainable, eco-friendly brand who really emphasizes the importance of natural ingredients to enrich their soil. And I mean, they have, like I said, top quality with rigorous quality control and OMRI listed certification. Their diverse range of products caters to all gardening needs. Most of our soils may lack appropriate nutrients for success for our plants and our plants need this. We want to regenerate the healthy microbes in our soils to set up for gardening success and just for our plants to thrive. So if we add Coast of Maine products, this will indeed help. Whether you're planting trees or shrubs or perennials in your yard, adding Coast of Maine soil in your planting holes leads to a long, slow feeding of your plants, making them self-sufficient and vibrant, which we love. Let's say you want a vegetable garden, 
Not only will you receive abundant harvest, but there will be less feeding and maintenance throughout the season. Amazing. You know that everything grown in Coast of Maine soil is organic and safe for your family and friends right out of the garden. And then you get to also feel good about their sourcing as I'm so thankful they provide natural ingredients because they will never include household waste or biosolids. And we know that nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, cultivated from products and practices rooted in coast of Maine. And so they will continually perfect the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people in the place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. We love supporting local and the products are carried by local retail partners who can provide advice and insight not found in big box stores. So Coast of Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community of gardeners everywhere. And their products make organic gardening simple and approachable so we can all garden. So let's get to growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. That's Coast of Maine, like the state with an E, Coast of dot but when you're in that state the lsg kind of opens you up to like how beautiful it is it stops being a scary thing and that's a lot of what the spiritual path is too is can you love the fear as much as you love the joy, right? Can you love the pain as much as you love the happiness or the pleasure? And so LSD really opens that up and that's what I was feeling. It's like not scared or not sad that my life is so short in comparison to say the mountain that is Annapurna being millions of years old. It's more so a thankfulness that I get to experience that thought at all, that, that, that realization that, wow, I'm something right here seeing some other aspect of myself. That's not even just a thought. I mean, that's really, truly just an embodiment, a feeling of oneness. Yeah, like, that's what it felt like. Oneness. Now let the magic begin. Hello and Jai Ma, Jai Ma Yomis. It's Raquel and also Namaste. As they say in Nepal, which Wow, what a, a wild week, an intense week, a powerful week, a very transformative week as no big deal, I just trekked one of the most intense trails in the world. I trekked the Himalayan mountains with my friends Vishuddha Das and Haley Madison and we, we trekked the Annapurna range actually. I'm definitely exaggerating, it, though of course it was super intense. Um, and supposedly the deadliest, it was not a difficult, scary one, not even though there were indeed cliffs and I did indeed had to face my fear of heights and other fears and face a lot of other things <laughs> along the way. Um, it's definitely a very manageable one for, I feel like most anybody. And so if you're ever interested in trekking, I highly recommend though it is super physically demanding, of course. Uh, depending on your fitness level, well actually regardless of your fitness level, it's safe 
and it's beautiful. There are so many other people that you'll pass along the path and there's guides and it's just indeed a good one for people to start with. I think if they want to trek or they want to get into trekking and I'm so thankful I went with friends and so I highly recommend if you have that experience you either go with a group because there's a lot of different groups or just get a few friends together and hire a guide, hire some porters porters they carry those the big bag and all the other luggage that you have Vishita and Haley literally live out of their backpacks and so they had all of their stuff and Haley would like donate stuff along the way and so the porters would carry all of our stuff pretty much we would just have one light lighter bag you should have one porter per person <laughs> we only had two and I was like oh we could definitely use one more but the reason why Annapurna is the deadliest trek, I think that is when you get past the base camp or it's because of the avalanches. During the winter time, there are avalanches. Other than that, if you go in the springtime or if you go right at the tail end of November, which I guess seems to be the best time, even though it is super cold still, so beautiful and no avalanches. <laughs> By the way, I am outside right now. You can hear the birds singing the song of Mama Bali. I figured that that would be a beautiful touch. But this recording with this guest you're about to hear, just so you know, we were in Nepal in a hotel room. I did not have my recording equipment because I left it back in Bali. So we used my phone voice memo, my iPhone X. So I just wanted to slip that in there as a disclaimer, but it's still such a powerful episode and you hear it all. This was indeed one of my most divinely guided experiences that I have ever endeavored for a variety of reasons. You know, I was processing a lot. I mean, we're always processing something, right? But I feel like there has just been even bigger hits in a sense, or this has been just a greater transitional season in my life, in family life, in career life, in love life. And so there was a lot that I was able to receive so much clarity because when you're on the trek, it's so beautiful. It's also super physically demanding. So all of the voices and the noises you have in your mind, they kind of float away for a little bit and you're focused on the trek. And then all of a sudden when you get somewhere, you like receive these insights and clarity and it's just nice to have those moments of silence to hear the deeper wisdom or to feel more or to experience something more deeply. I wasn't going to spiritually bypass any of this. I was like, I'm going to face it and I'm going to be honest and I'm going to approach this in a way that no longer stays inside of me energetically but finally releases so I can have clarity, move on and move forward and also rise up. That was indeed the most liberating for everyone because it was like we just trekked probably what 40 miles or more. I don't even know. So many steps every single day, nearly 40,000 steps according to my health app going up and down these insane hills for miles <laughs> and it was so liberating to just make it to that top like this is everything that we've had in our hearts and in our minds for months and then to make it to that top space and just sit there for a while and write and 
meditate and be present again it's just so amazing how much clarity you receive when you kind of silence your mind for a bit and you're super present in something else perhaps something physically demanding like a workout or doing some sort of mind exercises like a puzzle or meditating something to get your mind off all of the noise and then suddenly hit a peak point where it's like you finish the puzzle you finish the workout and you finally have some silent space and it's like during that moment where you finally completed whatever you wanted to complete or you arrived at your destination the insights you receive transformative empowering and i believe needed for your soul's expansion your human's expansion in some way so that was a powerful experience plus i can't believe how much fried rice i ate i like rarely eat fried anything and all had all this fried rice fried spring rolls but you know what when you are trekking that much your body craves some heavy calories well at least mine did heavy calories but super light just so you can keep trekking until you get to dinner time and then i like some volume <laughs> but i'm so thankful for my friends my very conscious compassionate and patient friends who i trekked with my knees gave out on me and so I especially towards the end just I kept getting slower and slower and slower because I needed to be patient with them in the moment and that's the thing as well I had to let some thoughts go about certain things so I can be really present with every step pretty much because it was painful and they were well ahead yet between they would stop and wait for me for a bit just to make sure I wasn't too far behind it was so funny how handicapped I was towards the end of it. I'm literally limping. The porters had to carry me on their back down to the hot spring for a bit just so I can experience the hot spring because I was like, I don't know if my knees can take downhill anymore. See, the thing is I loved, I started to love going uphill. I would like speed through uphill because I loved it so much. I hated going downhill because that was really hard on my knees. That was very interesting because, I mean, no one likes uphill, but man, mind over matter. Something is just mentally challenging and it just feels exhausting versus actual physical pain. You're going to always take the mentally challenging version. Anyway, I did go on the trek with today's special magical guest, one of my friends for a long time now, actually. I've known him for three years or so. Uh, Vishuddha Das. He's also been on this podcast twice before back in 2017 under the name Koi Fresco. But a while ago, he changed his name to Vishuddha and I like to call him Vish. I think I'm the only person that calls him that. So, in this episode, you're going to hear about our experience and also an experience with standing in the presence of the living incarnate of the goddess Kali. Yes, we stood right before a little girl that Nepali's referred to as the living goddess named Kamari. And she just happens to be a breathing extension, they believe, as the goddess Kali. And we'll talk about Kali and also his experience at the top of the trek as he was dancing with Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Very expansive trip. <laughs> we also talk about LSD and other psychedelics and more. And then he also really encouraged that I check out Pashupatinat Temple. So at the time of the recording, I hadn't seen it yet. I saw it the next day. And he just, just for me to witness 
uh, cremation ceremonies. Wow, <laughs> just to see an actual physical human suit that has many stories that has been told, other people who surround this human that love this human and their experience, and just to lay there before us all to be covered up, carried to this bed of wood, which they would lay the human in the middle and then stack some hay to cover the body as it burns and you feel their physical existence remain but dissipate while their energy just rises in the smoke. It's as if you feel their soul or you see their soul is just rising with the smoke. I mean, it's a human body, so there's a lot of smoke, and so the ashes do fall on your clothes, on your skin, and you can feel it with you. But it's not a disgusting by any means. It's very beautiful and powerful because it just reminds you that their energy remains here, even though they are gone. And this is something we know, but it also reminds you how temporary this human experience is. When they would burn these bodies, I would just hope that they truly lived the way they wanted to live and more so that they truly loved that they truly allowed themselves to be so human because we're always going to be a soul we're always spiritual yet we are these incarnates these, these extensions of the creator for the creator to experience whatever the creator wants to experience this is at least my belief my world is completely different than theirs yet the creator wants to experience their world and my world just the same and so we're completely different humans though we are the same soul and so whatever human experience you were given and whatever you feel called to do do that, live that, no matter what it is, because the creator wants to experience it all. I felt that. Not everybody feels called to go to Nepal or Bali or do yoga. Not everybody feels called to eat a certain way or surround themselves in nature or surround themselves in a city. I mean, if the creator wants to experience it all, we must honor it all, no matter where we are on this plane, no matter who we are. And so to just live, to just live how you want to live, it was just another reminder of me being able to also embrace this human. Because I used to almost just float and fade away in the background as I was like, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'm just still just such a spiritual human. I'm just gonna do my thing and meditate and take it easy, yada yada. But was I living? Sure, I was traveling around the world, but was I living? Was I alive? And I've allowed my fire to rise and to live and to be whatever Raquel feels <laughs> called to be, to do, to become, to embody, and to embrace her beauty, her goddessness, as I want every female to no longer hide, to shift from some of the old programming, her old paradigms of how she needs to be perceived in the world you know i was attached and i identified with all right i'm a spiritual type person and there's a stigma around it so i shouldn't be somebody that is posting me in certain ways that's such old programming i get to embrace all of me however i want and i want you to embrace all of you however you want to because this experience is so short and so whatever lights you up do it don't stop yourself just because of a certain image that you are attached to or identify with 
that way when it's your time and your body is laying there ready to go however you intend for your body to continue to exist in this world whether you want to just allow yourself to become ashes which i think i do and i'd like my ashes spread around a forest and maybe the ocean too just spread around different parts of the world or if you do want to go in a casket and be buried underground like whatever you want to do allow your soul to be so happy with this human experience because you really lived and you learned and really the only way to expand the soul is to really live it up and learn and i don't mean like go do drugs and go crazy but anything that isn't sabotaging, because I mean, it's very clear what is sabotaging, what's not. Anything that isn't sabotaging or anything that is risk-taking, allowing yourself to fall in love, allowing yourself to explore the world on your own or do crazy treks, whatever nourishes your soul, do that, do it. Don't stop yourself because you feel you need to be a certain way. I'm letting go of a lot of Raquel's old stories and it's so liberating I'm letting go of a lot of the rhetorics that maybe you might have even fallen in love with when it came to me and I hope that you continue to love and accept whoever I evolve into as I will with you because we're always evolving and changing that is the one thing that's guaranteed there's no need to be stagnant if you do feel stagnant or stuck Perhaps the biggest thing for you to do, the best thing for you to do is to look at what you're identifying with that you're holding on to, clinging on to so tightly that you won't let go of. And maybe that's the one thing the universe wants you to let go of so your soul can continue to have a very expansive experience. Whew. Well, that was a long rant about how I felt when it came to the cremation ceremonies, but there's so much more that it also made me realize and so be open be open to new experiences to tell new stories and to just live and I felt like choosing a very simple one today for the Euro Magic Review of the Week and this is from Cheryl's is spiritual connection. I have listened to Raquel's lovely podcast for several years now. I look forward to her deep and soulful episodes. I listen to several wellness podcasts, but this one pushes the possibilities of learning all sorts of modalities that I have sprinkled into my life and have become habits that are changing my life for the positive. I've awakened my spirituality while using her podcast as a tool much love beautiful that's exactly what i've been using this podcast too as well to experience and try different modalities and sprinkle them in my life the ones that do resonate i think that that is what my experience at this time is supposed to be i think that there are some that are here to maybe experience and be a guinea pig for so many different modalities to inspire others to try and perhaps even inspire future masters in some way so that's how i'm feeling right now about this experience i think that's really really awesome and i'm very honored to be a catalyst for you on your spiritual journey that's another thing by the way i do not want to be seen as a spiritual teacher a spiritual guru but i'm definitely honored to be a spiritual catalyst for your spiritual journeys i'd rather just be seen as like a soul sister <laughs> um, because i indeed am so human <laughs> so yep i 
I'm so thankful for this review and all the other reviews. All right, so excited for you to listen to this moment with Vishuddha. So I believe it is time to let the magic begin with Vishuddha Das. Imagine if this world did not have any plastic. It'd be a wonderful world. I know. Do you think that by 2060, that's a possibility? No. Really? No, I don't. <laughs> How about 2100? Yeah, I think by 2100 for really? sure. Really? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I hope so. I bet that they'll have... You know what? I think that they're going to find or the universe is somehow going to create some sort of mineral that... The second it touches plastic, it evaporates, and it just does not exist. Not in any way, shape, or form. I think scientists discovered certain microbes that eat plastic and, like, dissolve it completely. But I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Not 100%. I feel like like I've seen it somewhere before, though. Maybe you dreamt it. I feel like that would be kind of a big deal if, like, that was a thing. Well, it's easy to do things on a small scale scientifically, but... To make it like a large-scale project is a whole other deal. And to make it a worldwide thing is even like farther off. So there's like, I don't know, I read a lot of stuff on like futurology. Futurology? Yeah, futurology is like the study of like the future kind of and like what's going to be coming, like what we're discovering in science. That's exciting. Yeah, and so there's lots of, you see tons of random little tidbits every couple of days on like different like simply simple and effective cures for cancer that have been shown in laboratory results and like microbes that eat plastic and different things like that just really uplifting stuff but then you never really hear about it again because obviously it's not something monetizable or something a corporation wants to invest in of course because it's a risk it's a super risk by the way speaking of risk like how toasty are you right now great really i feel like you're gonna be burning up in the midst of this podcast no this thing is like a big bear hug yeah i think it's kind of loud though is it loud no i hope not (laughs) where do you get this futurology information uh reddit Really? Yeah, of Reddit's course. the best. You're like all I'm about on Reddit, Reddit. Like every day. Reddit's wonderful. Do you have like people gossiping about Vishuddha on Reddit? Not that I know of. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check this out. Probably random stuff everywhere, but I just go on there to like read uplifting news and like discovering stuff, especially philosophy. There's That's lots of cool. like good philosophy conversations on there. What are some of your favorite philosophical philosophies? <laughs> uh, absurdism. Absurdism is really powerful by Oops. Albert Camus. Yeah. He was like a philosopher. He wrote a book called The Stranger. I feel like I've heard of that. Strange is really good. Okay. It's like it's like a storybook, but it's very philosophical. It's just basically about how the absurd nature of existence and the, the purposelessness of it, I guess, but not in a, a scary way, more of like an incredible way. Like, look how crazy and ridiculous this all is. Life is so ridiculous. Life is so absurd. Yeah. Everything that we're doing... Our trek was so absurd. That was. Who, who are we? Why did we do that? But that Why was the are these best little humans pushing themselves to their limit just to get up into the mountains and look at the mountains from closer up? Truly the limit. My Truly. knee is out. Yeah, you can't walk right I, now. You got like a stick leg. I know. I'm limping. Oh, poor me. All right. Let's ground. Let's pray. How do you usually start your prayers? I don't really do prayers, to be honest. I do. I set, I set like intentions and mantras in my head. Like when yeah. I do my morning, uh, like puja and RT and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't like pray or anything. Will you guide us through one? 
Oh, it's, it's it's mainly honestly it's not it's it's like it's like chanting a mantra over and over again. Okay. Like, uh, What's like, one mantra that comes to mind right now? Uh, one of the biggest ones that I use is uh, Jai Ma Kali, Jai Ma Kali, Jai Ma Kali. That's how I Jai Ma Kali. Yeah, yeah, I introduced yeah. the podcast Jai Ma. There's yeah. something about that introduction, that greeting, mm-hmm. that is so beautiful, and apparently it also does reference the divine feminine in it. Yeah. Well, Jai Ma is it's a it's a short version of Jai Ma Kali. So Ma yeah. and Jai Ma is a reference to Ma Dorga, who is one of the her forms is Kali. Mm-hmm. Kali Ma. Speaking yeah. of Kali, we yeah. have to share the story. Let's do a little prayer, and then we'll go straight into the Kali story. Let's do it. Okay. <sighs> Jai Ma Kali, may we use this valuable time to deeply connect and share, deliver a shared truth, share whatever message that comes through. And may I just express my gratitude, immense gratitude for Vishuddha, so much for not only this trek, but also just being an amazing friend in my life for all these years now. And to finally have this experience together and for everything that, all his support this entire time. I'm so thankful that he's taking this time to do this podcast for the Yomis. And so whatever unfolds, may it be so. Aho. Aho. <laughs> that feels good. Oh, I like it. Kali. Kali. Kali we Ma. We saw an incarnation of her. We did. <laughs> no, big no big deal. You know what's crazy is this week has been so insane that I forgot about that Same. until you just brought it up. I was like, oh yeah, we met what the Nepalese consider to be an incarnation, a physical incarnation of the mother. Yeah. Uh, Kumari. That's her name. Kumari. Kumari. Yes. Yeah. That was really interesting. Uh, that was fierce. That was intense. And it's interesting that we all had a different perspective as to what her energy represented. Mm-hmm. Also, I love that you prefaced it by saying that the Nepalese feel that she is the incarnation. Yes, yes, yes. Because I was like, how do I feel about this? Yeah, that's the thing I think a lot of people is they think the way a certain culture sees something is universal or we take it as universal, but really it's understanding it's part of that culture. You know, it's yeah. part of the Nepalese culture to see it that way. Yeah. Uh, it's not something, you know, you'd see around the world or, you know, in America or somewhere else for certain people, but in certain areas of the world, they have their own views and their own practices, so... I think it helped by prefacing it that way too is like the Nepalese people see it that way. It helps you understand not only where it's from, but how it can kind of stem from the people in that region. Mm-hmm. And then also it, it, it helps you not to group a bigger picture together. You know, not to like throw everybody who might believe in Kali as, oh, they must all also believe and see the mother as this this girl, you know. Exactly. Some people might actually I was wondering if there's anybody that took offense to it. Yeah. That might even be in India. That yeah. It's like, you know, they're deeply rooted in their Hindu beliefs that are completely different, yet very mm-hmm. similar. Um, where does it, do you know where Kali stems from? Because I know she's the divine yeah. goddess, the death, the destroyer, the death of the ego, the death of... Yeah, Kali Mala is just one of the many incarnations of, of Durga. So Durga is essentially the divine feminine, the Devi, uh, Shakti in her many forms. But she shows most prominently in the union between Shiva and Parvati. Yeah. So uh, Shiva and Parvati is like that divine union, that divine marriage uh, between the two. Mm-hmm. But through that, Durga manifests as Parvati and as Kali. And it, depending on, again, which sect of Hindu philosophy you follow, uh, some people see one as above the other or the original, you know. Mm-hmm. So same thing with, uh, let's say, like Lord Vishnu, who's like the preserver of existence. 
the Hare Krishnas, the monks, see Lord Krishna as the supreme personality of Godhead. So they see Krishna as above Vishnu, whereas the rest of Hindus see Vishnu as like the originator and Krishna as an incarnation. So yeah. same with Kali. Some see Kali as like the origination. Some see Kali as an incarnation of Durga. Regardless, yeah, Kali is essentially, well, Kala, Kala is where her name stems from, the K-A-L-A, which uh, represents time. Kala means time. Uh, infinite and she in her color especially represents that infinite nature so the reason I think Kali is so powerful is because she represents just the absolute fierceness of of love of devotion of of mother's passion to to help her children awaken at all costs you know she's so viciously caring about her children and about this existence and about helping us awaken and slaying our own internal demons and removing our, 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 I guess, our ego uh, illusions that she can get so lost in it, she almost destroys the planet. You know, that's how much love she has for her children, which we are. And uh, that's why a lot of the uh, depictions of Kali show her, you know, stepping on Shiva because she was going so crazy slaying these demons that Shiva had to pretty much put himself in her path to stop her. That's how much love she has. It's just like a level of passion that we can't fathom as humans you know she's that perfect divine archetype representing our our own personal ability to awaken and rid ourselves of these demons and of these these illusory ways of living that can easily harm us i see why she keeps popping up into my world now because i grew up thinking that the way to show your love is to be so soft Mm. and gentle and just approach it in that very nurturing way in a in how we have this picture idea of what a motherly loving figure is we think sweet we think flowery flowery we think dresses and baked cookies you know but no there's another kind of love that Mm -hmm. has the fire that has the passion that has that fierceness behind it and that indeed keeps popping into my world for whatever reason what's interesting as well it just popped into my mind is when we had the retreat something happened when we went out to a waterfall and in a sense uh some of the girls it seemed were being treated unfairly by some of the locals Mm -hmm. and the locals took like 15 dollars from them because the girls didn't end up using their service and like my collie energy my fire my fierceness like came out a side that people that listen to this podcast do not often see because i have a fire (laughs) and like i of course i ground i'm gentle when i'm talking here yeah but i've got this fierceness and so to really just embrace that fire i mean i am a double leo after all like i've got a lot of fire and so to just embrace that collie energy inside is so freeing to know that there's another way to show love yeah and it's interesting because coming into that fierceness it requires a lot of internal practice you know a lot of i think in the western world our fierceness is negative yes so i think that's also why so many people when they first see kali they're like wow she's really scary Mm. she looks like a nightmare like why would i want to look at this picture why would i want to devote to this picture have it hanging in my room it scares so many people yeah and it's because we, we associate fierceness with fear or fierceness with negativity. Mm-hmm. And we're not used to seeing fierceness as like a, a, an empowering part of our lives. That's why Ram Dass calls like spiritual practice a fierce grace. You know, fierce yeah. grace is, is what it takes. Aww. And it's what we are really striving towards is to have fierce grace, to like seek that fierce grace, to experience fierce grace. Is that, that how deep that power goes, how deep that experience goes, how deep that surrender goes in your own life, that devotion goes. If you can like allow that fire 
to burn within you no matter what you do you know you can be fiercely meditating if it takes it just how much devotion do you have to it how much compassion and 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 how committed to it are you so same thing when you see uh guess i guess you could say students being taken advantage of your fierce love takes over right yeah you can be in that soft space of love 24 7 but when that fierceness has to come out if you are on your path and if you're in alignment with your practice you know that you're doing it in a progressive way and in a way that helps you and helps others rather than it being an inherently negative thing which is i think how unfortunately a lot of the western world again sees the idea of anything fierce at all that is so true it's very triggering for a lot of people when i posted a fierce photo there was definitely an interesting reaction to it as well when people have created an image of you of being so gentle I almost want to tattoo that fierce grace. Like yes. those two words, there's something about that that yeah. was like, I don't know if you felt it with me, but yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my it's gosh. powerful. That is so powerful. Fierce grace. There's something about Kali that just keeps coming up. Mm. A lot of different synchronicities with Kali that just mm-hmm. kept popping up in Bali and even prior to Bali. And then I come here and we're just, we just happen to walk into this yeah. home and I had no idea what we're doing. I'm just like, sure, Vishuddha, let's go in here. Let's do and it. And it just happens to be where this inner, this living goddess yeah. is that happens to be an incarnation of Bali, according to the Nepali folk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we left that place. So we were just there for a while and I was like, I don't feel like her here. I don't mm-hmm. feel like there's anything. It feels almost tainted with a lot of tourist energy so Mm -hmm. I kind of want to go and continue on but you guys want to stay so I'll just chill I guess and then we went on and it was just beautiful and we saw at a shrine of Kali and this guy was talking about Kali he was an older man that I thought he had another agenda but he actually didn't he had a pure he's just a nice old man he's just a nice man talking about Kali but I always I always have a guard up because I'm like all right you want to take my time because you want money or something more especially when traveling too. because of traveling you have when to you're, kind of have your guard up a bit yeah when you're a tourist and we've just we've been around the block yeah, yeah you know exactly. what I mean so we have our guard up we weren't born yesterday and then <laughs> we went and we just walked around for a while and you just had this random nudge yeah all of a sudden, it was just a spontaneous ping. You're like, was, I want to go back. It was mother's nudge. It was, it was nudge. mother's nudge. Which is sure. interesting, too, because... Uh, so, I've been uh, practicing Hindu Dharma, or the Hindu faith now, for close to three years. And the branch I practice in is called uh, Vedanta, or Dvaita Vedanta, the non-dual path of Vedanta. But the temple in which I study, we are students of Ramakrishna. His name is Paramahansa Ramakrishna. He was an Indian saint in the late 1800s and he was a massive massive bhakta or or loving devotee of mother kali so mother kali like runs through it with the entire temple we learn about her all the time and about uh, ramakrishna's infinite like obsession not even obsession but just deep deep pure love for mother and seeing mother and everything and crying for mother and calling to mother he would often say uh to awaken you have to long for mother the same way a drowning man longs for a breath of air it has to be that much of a need. It can't even be just a maybe or a one. It has to be, again, that, that absolute fierceness, that commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so ever since then, it's interesting because before that, I had never really known who Mother Kali was. And then once that happened, everywhere I've traveled now, I've always seen her. So when I first went to Bali, the very first water temple I went to, the very first one, it was a very small one, like far up past the main rice paddies, far up past the... Uh, 
the main, uh, I guess you could say, tourist uh, mm-hmm. water temples Which where everybody goes. Do. Yeah, it was a yeah. very small local one. We only saw locals there. It was just four of us, uh, a few of my Hindu friends. And so we went there, and of course, the only <clears throat> deity at the bottom is a very small waterfall is Mother Kali. Of course. The only one. Of and course. so, of course, I was like, oh, yeah, Mother's <laughs> here. Not surprised. Mm-hmm. And then, same thing, first day in, again, Nepal now. Come to Nepal, go to the square as the very first thing to do, and here's where Mother's physical incarnation lives. So it, 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 it's, not, it's synchronistic, but for me, it's like, of course she's going to be here. Like, of course she's going to be in my path again. Of course she's going to keep presenting herself to me. Uh, which is a really kind of interesting thing to question why that is. and But yeah, that's how it kind of felt when we were in front of... Uh, well, remember, we thought the statue was Kali initially, but it was Bhairav. It's it's a version of uh, oh. Shiva. So it's like, Why was he talking about Kali for so long? Then? Because it, it, it it's like the masculine form of Kali. Okay. Not specifically, but it looks almost it identical to Kali. It was a very unique Kali. one, yeah. Yeah, so it, it looks very much like Mother Kali. Mm-hmm. But then once that happened, like you said, I just had this kind of draw to go back. I felt like if we went back, we might see her and... We did. <laughs> That's what you thought. You're like, maybe we might see her. So I just had a back. feeling that she would... I knew she was there. Like, I could feel uh, Kumari's Something. energy like when we were there, but she wasn't showing herself. See, I couldn't... Yeah. I didn't feel like she was around. I knew she was there. I could, I could just sense her presence, I guess you could say. Because that's the house. And I doubt, I doubt, you know, it's such a, a deeply religious thing that she would be able to leave the house, especially as a young child. Mm. So I could kind of feel that she was in there. But I didn't know which room. You know, there are so many different rooms at the very top. <laughs> Maybe she just wasn't around the top. Maybe she was, like, in her own little... Yeah, it had to be somewhere. But after that, I was just like, we have to go back before yeah. we leave. Definitely to just this... see. Just For me, it's just intuition, especially with traveling. You get... I don't know. I, I feel like I really try to trust my intuition as much mm-hmm. as I can to, like, go places. Even if I have to go back to a place again, it's always kind of worth it to me. And that's why, yeah. I guess, <laughs> situations like that present so, themselves. So worth it. When she was at that top... Yeah. The energy was so different. It was it was Kali's energy. It was Mother's energy. It was fierce. Yeah. Then, put our phones away because she, you're not allowed to take a picture yeah, of her. Yeah, no pictures of her. Totally honor that. Super sacred. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm thankful for that so we could be so present in that moment where that moment where she came out and yeah. looked at everybody. She just presented herself for, how long was it? Maybe like 10, 15 seconds? Maybe 15 seconds. Yeah, 20 seconds max. Was 20 seconds max. But that short window of time was so powerful. It's embedded in my brain, and I'm never going to forget it. And I made eye contact with her for a millisecond. I know that wasn't yeah. good. I don't think that was good. Why is that? I, I don't think you're allowed to. I don't think no, you can, you can make eye contact with her, really? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because we literally made, like, eyeball to eye. Like, you and yeah. I right now, like, two, it was a millisecond. And it's interesting, like you around. said, how everybody's, because of our own psychology, yes. our perception of... Who she is and what she is yes. and how she felt is totally different between everybody there. Everybody had their own different version. Yeah. I don't trying to remember Haley's, but yours was interesting and then mine was definitely very different. So mine, I looked at her and I was like, her fierceness, mm-hmm. which I now also see after talking with you, because that you know, you can definitely skew your perception mm-hmm. or just change it a bit, alter it a bit. If something does seem more light or does resonate more. Yeah. But in that moment I was like, oh, She's like a six-year-old girl, by the way, this living goddess. She's six years old. Yeah, she's very, um, very young. She's very, very young. And, you know, the world knows who she is. She gets... She's taken care of by the government. She's taken care of by the government. Yeah, and so in my mind, when I saw her, I was like, she doesn't feel free. She doesn't feel like a child. And she, she, she didn't seem like she wanted to be there. Yeah. She had this, like, 
oh, this is, I hate, I do not like to do this. I'm about to cry. I don't want to see you guys right now. I just want to like go and live my life. That's how I felt. Yeah. And you felt something. And so for me, it was absolutely day and night different. For me, it was like, as if she was saying, I am Mother Kali. I am the infinite. Like feast your eyes on me. See this fully. Feel this make like I hope this makes you uncomfortable like Mm -hmm. can you take what you're seeing right now can you accept what you're feeling right now in my presence you know and just to me it was like whoa so powerful oh my gosh and when you said that I felt so jealous of you because I was like man I wish I saw that (laughs) yeah and I think too because like I was looking for like any kind of flicker of like feeling of like you said like sadness or fear and her gaze was just stone like pure just like which is mother's Mm -hmm. fierceness that pure fierceness unflinching unwavering for that entire 20 seconds then she just turned around like it was nothing to her and went back into the room that's why for me yeah yeah, like it was like it was like she knew exactly what she was and she could feel it and she she literally embodied it she's like this is it yeah you guys see me but that guy that was outside when we were looking at the one shrine that i talked about earlier that i was worried he had another agenda he was in there he actually came in there after we went there well that's what surprised me i was like wait a second he never even told us to go there he never he truly was just so happy to talk about kali yeah like it was hilarious he was just so in love with that and then he goes in there and he actually happens to be hired by the government to talk about kali and so i'm like oh okay and i asked him i was like this is before I talked to you about everything. Yeah. I was like, did she like being there? He's like, she didn't seem happy today. No, she didn't. You know, yeah. like, so I guess maybe she has, I mean, she's a human. So she has different sides to her where Definitely. she's probably more willing to it, do it than others. Mm-hmm. But regardless, she still had a fierceness and like, I know who I am. And mm-hmm. so hi, bask in this for a second. Yeah. You know? And another thing too is uh, with, with Kali, like Kali doesn't even represent happiness. Like, in no way does she mm, yeah. ever appear happy. She appears like she's screaming a lot of the times, like, yeah. holding herself back from, like, exploding almost with so much, yeah. like, rage and anger, but not in a negative sense, in a loving sense, yeah. you know, that, that just intensity that we can, it's hard for us to fathom in our, our human form because we rarely feel those feelings at the same, like, level of devotion and care. So for me, it's like reading so much about her and studying so much the nature of Kali. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, it, it's really interesting to... I think it, it's also good to be able to talk to people about how they see these things mm-hmm. because it's all based on our perception, right? I, I have a lot of study and meditation on her, so I'm going to see Kumari in a different light than someone who has no study on her or very little study very on her or who, who is seeing it in a more humanized way where I'm seeing it more in a, a religious way because I've been, yeah. like I said, spending five months in India, so... And aren't you also baptized Hindu? Or something like oh that. yeah initiation yeah, yeah so initiation. I rece- it's called uh, diksha in in hindi but it's like receiving initiation from diksha. a guru and everything yeah yeah, yeah. baptized diksha reborn hindu <laughs> yeah you are wow okay all right i mean it when i say that fabletics actually looks absolutely phenomenal on every body shape there's something that they do that highlights the most beautiful part of every shell. I am in love with their high-tech sculpt knit advanced leggings. Ugh, and by the way, you can get two of those for just $24 when you go to fabletics.com forward slash magic. In fact, you can get two pair of any leggings for just $24 when you use our URL. I mean, I'm sure you're very familiar with Fabletics. They're kind of like everywhere these days. 
and you might as well just try them out. Honestly, what a steal. $2 for 24. You have hundreds of styles to choose from. When you go to their site, go to the bottoms, click on leggings and seven eighths, and then look at all of the high-waisted or even the mid-rise power hold leggings. I know. Some of my favorites though are the cashels. I like the uniqueness of the bottom legging part. And look at their high-waisted sculpt knit dot leggings. I believe I wore them the other day when I did a little yoga flow on my Insta story. And I'm telling you, they're cute. They shape you quite well. I feel phenomenal in them, not gonna lie. And yeah, Fabletics. Good job, Kate Hudson, for creating such an amazing brand. They have some fun fall colors for us right now, which I very much appreciate. Plus, their sports bras are so comfortable. I am pretty well endowed in that area, and I need something of high impact for pretty much anything I do. <laughs> keep them in there yeah so they have high impact medium impact and low impact bras for you and one thing I like about their site is I like to go to click on the outfits and then you just get even better deals when you buy certain outfits together so if you are interested in two pairs of yoga pants for just $24 go to fabletics.com forward slash magic as they offer affordable, high quality, very stylish clothes for both men and women. And yeah, you can shop for pants and leggings and joggers and tops and tees for pretty much any fitness you want to do and at any fitness level. And they are always providing new outfits every single month. And what I love, honestly, is their Fabletics VIP program because I actually even with the VIP program walked into the store and because I had $50 credit on my VIP program, I walked out with a really, really cute jacket for just like 30 bucks when it was like 80 bucks. So yeah, thanks Fabletics for being super innovative. Well, I want to shift gears a second because we just have to talk about, well, I guess, you know, we'll lead into it a little bit because mm -hmm. I definitely want to talk about LSD and psychedelics because your experience with all of that is so fascinating. Yeah. And I am curious to explore because I've only done half a mushroom with Allie in Kauai. <laughs> And so that literally you, did like nothing, but just yeah. had a nice long meditation where the Dalai Lama meditated, you know? Mm, nice. Yeah. I told you about it, right? The, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's sacred. Yeah. So maybe we'll just talk about the trek for mm. a moment. Yeah, And then yeah. because when you got to the top, that's where you had I an did. experience. I had some LSD. Yes. <laughs> we indeed had embraced Lucy and the sky with diamonds up in the sky in... Annapurna area. I, I felt it was a good place to, a good way and place to celebrate was to dive deeper into myself and into the experience. And we had such a limited time there too. You know, if we would have, I probably wouldn't have taken LSD up there if we had a few days to stay at Annapurna Base Camp and like take it all in. Mm -hmm. uh, but we only had a few hours. So for me, we did. And that's the power of psychedelics. If you use them consciously and intentionally, is that they can act as these almost. I guess you would say uh, time warps. <laughs> these like yeah, these like time warps of spiritual tools that can help you not only take in experiences more deeply, but almost like you said, shift time and slow time down, or even speed time up so that you process more of what you're seeing and experiencing in a shorter amount of time. 
So whereas I could have maybe taken in three days of meditation or so and thought and processed what was going on and what it was like to be at this colliding, powerful, volatile place on the planet where two continents are literally meeting and pushing these mountains higher in the air than ever before. I mean, this is literally the highest mountain range on the planet. Uh, if I would have had more time, like I said, I wouldn't have used LSD, but I had it in my possession. You know, I have it with me and I figured since I only have a few hours, I might as well drop I do what a Timothy Leary says, turn on, tune in and drop out, something like that, and just kind of let it speak to me. And that's kind of what the thing was, is since I was there, why not utilize this medicine and let the mountains kind of talk to me for a bit and let me be the student instead of me try to control the experience, which is what we almost always do 99% of the time in our lives. You were so patient during that entire trek, by the way, so Mm -hmm. we'll go to the trek, but well, we're talking LSD now, so you know what? We're going to skip ahead. We'll talk about the trek in a little bit, but... You gotta know, get to the juicy stuff we'll first. Just, we'll just get to the juice. We'll cut straight to. I'll, I'll. You know what? I'll give them a quick summary. We had a long trek up there. Every day we walked about ten to twelve miles uphill, downhill. My knee started to really, really cause me a lot of problems. I was way behind. Vish was always like the very first one. Vishida, I call him Vish. So um, he was always like way ahead, even though he also has a pretty hurt knee too. But he's been living on it. Anyways, long story short, I'm very thankful for his patience with me Mm -hmm. during that entire time and yeah there's not too much to say about the trek minus the fact that we did there were a lot of moments internally for each of us that we could probably talk about but when we get to the top that's when a lot of stuff started to unfold for both of us like I was processing a lot you had your experience with LSD and it was so beautiful to witness yeah (laughs) so beautiful to witness did you you record two videos on it too as well yeah I filmed two videos on LSD (laughs) so you I don't know when those are going to be out but they'll be out uh if this depending on when this comes out they'll definitely be out yeah they'll be out in sometime in December January area oh but for sure they'll be out okay so you're gonna have to definitely keep your eye out for both of those yeah because you talked about two one very interesting topics as always yeah it was just interesting because i asked you about your experience and i think you were still like processing or something yeah but, like, still in the midst of it when you asked me and i was yeah. like i can't answer that yet. yeah yeah it was it's still so... happening <laughs> <laughs> i can't but the thing is like and you your answer and just the way you present yourself is so friendly and kind and you don't feel like oh i shouldn't have done that you know it's like yeah. thank you okay i got you i got you I yeah no judgment ever yeah exactly and you truly like are the real deal and live by yeah. that and it's so beautiful to see and so um and it's just it's refreshing to have around for a male energy because i know a lot of females that feel that have that too and it's just so nice and refreshing to be around like Haley as well Mm -hmm. yeah but like it's so rare for to have that male energy that embodies i think it's just because you know i i I think it's only a rare thing in men at least because we don't take a lot of time to ourselves uh and that, that for me is, you know, spending a year in jail uh, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, and then living on my own for the past couple of years. Uh, I spent a lot of time in solace, and so it gave me a lot more space to be patient with myself. Mm-hmm. And then my last relationship was really a learning lesson, too, of inner patience. And so all that combined led to a space where it's a lot easier to be patient than it might have been for me just even a few years ago, you know. Wow. I think that's something a lot of men need to take more I think interest in especially is is taking more space for themselves in their own isolation because men are very social in the sense they feel like they always have to be around their friends or 
be with somebody, you know, rather than hanging out on their own and being in their own space. Well, even if they are an introvert, let's say, and they yeah. like to be alone, do they really take that time to really dive deep within themselves? And I that's think that's the, the scariest part. Yeah, a lot of men that are introverts are introverts, but they're online and playing video games or, like, yeah. on forums and stuff chatting. It's always us trying to, like, fill Not our time. Not just men, by the way. Yeah, yeah, everybody, Women lots will of try to block the real stuff that's going on yeah. with finding forms of entertainment in other ways even if they're mm. an introvert because I've had experiences myself as an introvert like when I realize that I am trying to suppress something and not just face something and let mm-hmm. something go I'm trying to suppress something when I over consume I'm like and, oh like, I'm like, over consuming right now what am I hiding yeah and that consumerism is just what I was going to say it's it's a it's a big societal reliance on escapism on like finding a way to exactly. escape and I think that's that's why uh you know, I was sober for five years until this year when I started traveling and reintroducing psychedelics and plant medicine yeah. and such to my life. So five years of sobriety, you can't use getting high or getting drunk as an excuse to escape your own awareness. You have to sit with it and process it. So that that at least helped me a lot uh, get used to being with myself and mm-hmm. being more present whatever I'm doing. Because like you yeah. said, so many so many people, the vast majority of people can be introverts and can be on their own, but they're utilizing escapist methods to basically forget that they're alone to fill it with something else that distracts them from actually sitting with their own thoughts their own mind their own emotions and and processing it in a healthy way so not even alone but alive yeah they're forgetting that they're alive Mm -hmm. like we're here as humans to experience whatever we're experiencing we're gonna have these challenges and you're just gonna keep facing those challenges until and everybody listening most people probably know this like it will just continue to come around Mm-hmm. Until you can sit with it and see it and see that pattern that continues to reoccur. I'm curious how you approach facing something and then letting it go. Mm, anyway. Like maybe reoccurring patterns or something that you see in your life or just some sort of perspective you want to shift, a mm. lens you want to shift, or feelings you want to shift, characteristics you've wanted to transform. I think the hardest part for me was always uh, accepting those things. So the first step mm-hmm. is always the hardest for me is with acceptance of like seeing them. Mm-hmm. I think for so long I would ignore it completely until it was like right on top of me. Like I could be ignoring things until it was like crushing me yeah. into pure anxiety and I'm like, I can't breathe. <laughs> Why? Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I have to face this. I have to admit yeah. this. I have to accept this. So that's what a lot of us do. And that's what I did for so long was just deny it until it was right on top of me. So now it's kind of trying to see things before they can grow into these big giant problems and uproot them at the source. Uh, that was always the hardest part for me, and that's what I try to do a lot more of now. Like, um, a few years ago, over the past few years, my biggest thing was the stubbornness of still learning from others. Because mm-hmm. before I was in my last relationship, I was in a space where I was just teaching myself, and I was learning online, and I was learning from my Swami, and that's pretty much it. I, I wasn't aware of it at the time, but subconsciously, I built this mentality of, I know what I need to know. You know, I don't need to know more. I got it figured out. And so then once <laughs> new people came into my life, that was that's just a spiritual ego talking. Yeah. Little did I know. Once new people started coming into my life and like saying, hey, this could be done or this could be changed or this could be helped. My whole ego mind would be like, no, I got to figure it out. I don't need that help. You're just making it harder for me. You're yeah. making it more complicated. All these different excuses to not actually change things that would help me. And it took me a long time to really lubricate back up and open back up to the idea that I can always be taking that kind of constructive criticism from people to help me uh, better myself and that's a a thing I think a lot of us need to learn to do because we get stuck in our ways 
whether it be our material ways or our spiritual ways, we get stuck in it, and that can really hinder us in a lot, a lot of ways. Oh, that is big. Yeah. I love that you just said that. The spiritual ego can be so, so loud. It's a, it's a nasty little bugger. It is such a nasty, and mine had been very, very loud for so long, yeah. but it was in a different way, very similar mm-hmm. in a sense where I was like, I know it all. I've got this. I'm yeah. good, guys. I feel okay. Don't worry about me. Though inside, I am not facing all of the sadness that just mm-hmm. wanted to be faced and released, just to let go. It's not like it was. It just wanted. It just. It just didn't need to be in there anymore. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to take that first step of accepting it. Yeah, and I think a big thing too is like, I would even call it like the facilitator paradox is once you start to like share these philosophies and teach them, you get this subconscious air of I can't have any issues or else I can't do what I do so I know I know so many other teachers Uh, and I'm sure there's lots of listeners here that like are starting their own personal brands and creating their own you know wellness stuff and and teaching and things a big thing is that we we get caught in what's called imposter syndrome you know an imposter syndrome is the feeling that uh I don't I don't actually live what I'm teaching or I don't feel what I'm teaching I feel like maybe if people really knew me they wouldn't think I was this way but it's like we're all that big messed up jumble of emotions and thoughts. We're just trying to make the best of it. And the best of it is learning how to teach, learning how to provide in the ways we do. But yeah, so many different spiritual teachers and practitioners that I know have that exact same issue where they feel like if I share this thing or if I try to tell others about it, I have to already have it all figured out. And it's like that's not how it works. We're all figuring it out all the time, but we can still help each other to do so at the same time. So it can be a, uh, we can be walking both paths at once. Whereas, you know, I thought for a long time I had to be ahead of my own issues mm-hmm. all the time, which is almost impossible to do. You can't outrun your shadow, you know. You definitely cannot ever outrun your shadow. <laughs> it's going to be lingering there. It's always there. But it's extra hard when you are so loved and you receive all these compliments. And I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. your audience saw you as this guy has all the answers mm-hmm. to the universe and all my problems in spirituality and I've also experienced the same thing and I think that it kind of put me in this box that made me feel it was probably imposter syndrome or something yeah very similar you're thinking uh, maybe like they think I have it figured out so why don't I think I have it figured out yeah yeah you get those feelings well and then well my mind though would tell me oh you got it all figured out but my heart and my soul was like yeah. No, that you you've still got to experience this, and the universe was like, "We're gonna put you through some shit, so you can like mm. really experience what you're teaching." Yeah. So you can really, really teach it and really understand it. And guess what? If you don't really know what you're teaching, don't teach it. So now I'm like, all right, I'll listen to mm-hmm. people talk about it, but you know, if I really don't feel it, yeah, I'm not going to teach it. It's or like talk that. Uh, it. Have you seen that comic of that little cartoon character? sipping tea in like the burning house and it's like this is fine and then it's like face starts melting and it's like everything's okay it's <laughs> i'm fine i'm fine just lying to itself even though <laughs> yes. it's like dying it's being eaten alive <laughs> yes. so that's what i always think of it's like you don't want to let yourself get to that point so no. and what i also realize is that you gain so much more and you start to see who really is in your life and who really matters and you make meaningful relationships when you learn to start being vulnerable and, and talking about it and opening up about it and researching it and entering discussions and going to different places and seeing people whatever it might be that helps you heal and those people that when you finally like come out of that 
mm-hmm. closet in a sense. Like they end up seeing you and yeah. then they come back around because they're like, oh, you're back to being, you're being honest now. Because yeah. people can always feel it vibrationally. When definitely. a teacher, I mean, there, and I'm obviously not going to name any names, but there are definitely people that I had as guests even or other teachers that might have YouTube channels, podcasts, whatever, where yeah. maybe like there was a little bit of a period of time where I was like super into whatever their message was. But, yeah. but then all of a sudden I'm like, mm, there's something not resonating right now. And I think that something just doesn't feel right or real. Yeah. And no judgment, but it just, and maybe they changed or something, but like I, something that doesn't feel authentic. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. If you aren't being authentic, people can feel that. Yeah, it's definitely very noticeable. It's I think so noticeable. That's why I think it was so helpful for me uh, when I went to Australia earlier this year and I spent like two months on mushrooms there. Yes! Okay, <laughs> back to the psychedelics because I wanted to segue somehow. <laughs> Perfect. But uh, the thing was is it was really great because when I first got there, a few of the people knew me from what I created on YouTube. Mm. And like, were like, they saw me kind of in a teacher way, mm-hmm. but then everyone else didn't know me. So they just saw me as another like hippie at this yeah. Australia commune, uh, hanging out. So it was really good to like kind of bridge that gap and sh- become both at once. So people could kind of see mm-hmm. what I was doing, but also see that I was there to heal also. Cause I went there to heal and to get out of the space of being a creator and out of my label and out of this idea of like mm-hmm. quote unquote teacher and so forth and just refocus on what mattered to me and my own practice and so forth so it was really good for me to open up because I feel like a lot of the times you get caught in wanting to be your label only Mm -hmm. and you get stuck in like you said you become one dimensional and when you become one dimensional you lose your authenticity so for me it was like rediscovering my multi-dimensionality and that happened you know with a huge group of 20-30 people I spent multiple months with just laughing and crying and making music with and sipping cacao with and eating mushrooms with and it was it was really great to not be just any one of these labels, but to just be and experience the whole of it and like rediscover everything for myself and see all these amazing souls and make lots of new amazing friends. That is so beautiful. I'm yeah, so happy you had that experience. <laughs> yeah, Australia's and wonderful. I, oh my gosh, I love Australia so much. And I love that you said that about the multi dimensionality because yeah. we really are. I don't want people to just perceive me as Raquel Mantra, this podcaster who talks about these spiritual woo-woo stuff like yeah. there's so much more to me too this i'm so human as well that i just like ugh. yeah i try to at least sh- i mean i i just want to show myself on stories and stuff but mm-hmm. you know it's just people there's so much more to everybody that you see online to it's almost unfair to create a story and romanticize them yeah whether that be romanticizing them as a teacher or um, somebody that you see as like this life you want to live. And that's why I think I try to keep it. I feel like what helps me kind of keep almost like a friendship basis with lots of students and what, like, mm-hmm. I guess you could say viewers even mm-hmm. is just that I, I try to keep everything very grounded. Like I'm not trying to sit up on a pedestal and be like, I'm the spiritual teacher. It's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm a hippie. Like I'm climbing mountains right now. I'm doing acid and I'm <laughs> eating mushrooms. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing with my life. But if what I do is helping you too, cool, let's do it yeah. together. You You're know? just sharing your messages yeah, and your life experience and also like the wisdom that you read and are interested in. And yeah. I've, I'm sure the universe has like have helped you live that wisdom that you had been consuming all these years yeah. as well i see it as like walking hand in hand versus like standing up on a pedestal just yes. saying get up here like well how do i how do they get up there yeah you gotta um, come you gotta gosh. walk them up there 
Just like you're walking yourself up there. That has actually been my biggest turnoff lately, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually just turned some people away on the podcast where I know that they just are looking to raise their status more yeah, than just yeah. like be one with that. Because like mm-hmm. people feel that and they see Definitely. it. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> like you were saying, you're like, uh, you're talking about some podcast you want me to be on. And for me, it was like, That'd be cool, but I also authentically want to experience this, an, an experience with those people and meet them rather than, like you said, yes. just like raise your status or raise it, just to yeah. be on it, to be on it. Yeah. For me, it's like I have to actually feel connected to something to those like people, that. Yeah, yeah, for definitely. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I get that. And you are at least somewhat connected. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, LSD. <laughs> Back to Lucy. Okay, wait, actually, I feel like we should start with one re- thing that came to mind that I wanted to talk with him about because I really am interested in exploring the power of psychedelics because I have a lot of people, a lot of friends that have just really expansive experiences and I just feel very called to them. Now, if it's something that doesn't resonate with you at all for whatever reason, wonderful. You can just listen with, you know, um, uh, just from an observer's perspective, yeah. but not, you know, no, no need for you to take any interest or you don't need to continue the podcast from here turn it off and move on to the next podcast all right lovers this is what i just learned is that apparently most people decide to spend their entire lives with someone during this holiday season between thanksgiving and even all the way till valentine's day zola actually happens to be well a today's sponsor but also sent me this info and apparently 96 percent of couples that decide they're going to tie the knot, well, feel that the process of wedding planning is very stressful. And 86% suffer from stress-induced symptoms like insomnia, breakouts, and it even lowers their sex drive. That would not be fun. So, perhaps, you know, delegate it to someone whose specialty is to help you plan your wedding, whose intention is to make the whole process easier, which would be Zola. And Zola, they alleviate a good portion of this stress with their clean and unique wedding websites, registry, invites, and even a guest list manager all in one place. And did I mention, by the way, free wedding website designs and there are hundreds of gorgeous designs we all have different tastes and it's it's so easy my sister-in-law created her site for my brother and her wedding in minutes so you can create your site in minutes and their site also has a frequently asked question page to tackle that awkward question like are kids invited (laughs) so zola has the highest rated registry of all time and not only has an easy way for people to register a gift or find out what they may experience on site but also a space for honeymoon funds so if you want to just donate to their honeymoon online you can do so and let's say that not every item you registered for was purchased well you receive 20 percent off post-wedding discounts on the goods. They provide beautiful, affordable invites and paper for you, along with free guest list manager, collecting addresses, and tackling all the RSVPs online. Zola has helped one million couples on their wedding, and so if you are engaged or someone you know is, or you just want to tie 
the knot or have a lifelong partner celebration well sign up at zola.com slash soul tribe today and use the promo code paper 30 one word no spaces to get 30 percent off your invites and paper order go to zola.com slash soul tribe and enter the promo code paper 30 like the number three zero don't spell it out type the number three zero to get fifty dollars towards your order plus 30% off your invites and paper order today. That's zola.com slash soul tribe and enter the promo code paper 30. But we're going to talk about psychedelics right now and I'm just interested in knowing how I can begin to explore more. I'm curious about more of Vishuddha stories and I think that mushrooms would be a better one for people to uh, maybe begin with (laughs) (laughs) so i'll i'll preface it by saying that i'm not an expert in any way shape or form this is literally the opinion of a 26 year old uh spiritual seeker and share of my own life experience anything you hear today don't take it as like fact you have to do your own research that's first and foremost Uh, do your own research completely look into your own intuitive calling if it's there it's there if not it's not I would say research different teachers like Terrence McKenna, Paul Stamets, who's a really popular mycologist right now, and is really good with uh, explaining the, the, the benefits of mushrooms, uh, mm-hmm. both uh, ones containing psilocybin and ones without. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, psilocybin. So we'll talk about that for a second. But um, I didn't mean, by the way, to put you on this pedestal no, of no, like no, psychedelics. I'm just letting people know that totally. the it's, reason it's just why it's good to put a warning out there, no matter what. It's, a, it's so good to put a warning out there. If this little was a video, disclaimer. I'd have a giant like neon yeah. sign saying, "Of course, warning. of course, <laughs> we have to have those disclaimers." But the reason why I want to talk about this with Vishud as one, well, he's also somebody I deeply trust and like you yeah. know just value his opinion and his experiences are super interesting. But he is somebody I, when I say I trust, like, he really, I know, does his, like, research mm-hmm. deeply. Like, he's not somebody that's just, like, oh, this is what I learned from hearsay, all these people. Like, he really is somebody who, he's the real deal. He really does his research. So he's able to thoroughly explain, yet at the same time, it's not like he's studied this so in-depth where he's, like, a master's degree yeah, in psychedelic. Yeah, don't have any degrees so, in psychedelic. <laughs> it's like, it's, we can relate to him, yeah. but at the same time, he also does have great perspectives so yeah thank you yeah (laughs) so mushrooms okay so i kind of want to start experimenting with mushrooms a bit just to see what happens the first thing with mushrooms is i i personally wouldn't suggest somebody start by microdosing Mm. Uh, i would suggest them to start with a full trip okay actually tripping because to microdose is the same just tell people to start i guess to start with you know taking uh a little swig of wine before you start drinking it's like well you don't know what drinking is unless you have yeah. the, you know you drink and yeah. you experience it totally different but that's just kind of i guess you could say a little metaphor uh, but the whole purpose of the psychedelic experience is to basically break down the paradigm by which your mind currently sees reality so we all have uh, a kind of frame of reference by which we experience everything and react to everything and interact with everything and the whole purpose of psychedelics is that they open the mind in a way that many of us have not yet had access to many of us haven't had time to experience or had the luxury to spend in meditation or these deep spiritual experiences by natural default happening so the psychedelic experience is more so a like a slingshot into the depths of your own 
subconscious and psyche and into the, the, the void of existence itself, but in the most beautiful way. So that's why it's so important if you're going to do it to, to kind of go into it fully, to go into the trip. And that's also why if you decide to do psychedelics, it needs to be something that you're really committed to. So when I first started um, doing them when I was young, I wasn't doing them consciously, but like you said, I, me and my friends, before we did it and we researched for like a month straight what the benefits were, what the pros and cons were, we weighed it out, and then we realized that it was definitely worth it. We should do it. Uh, but you need to have that calling, I think. You have to kind of push the discomfort in and try to build that calling within yourself. I wouldn't suggest people if they're like really, really scared to take psychedelics. Uh, but I'd also suggest people that if they are really scared to look into themselves and ask why, right? Is it that, is it that mm. cultural programming, which usually it is, saying that all these mushrooms are going to make you think you're a glass of orange juice for the rest of your life or <laughs> make you throw yourself out a window. These are all these crazy ideas that the Reagan era uh, propaganda machine thought up in the you know late mm. 60s and 70s to kind of push people away from the hippie revolution and get them out of Put, basically put them in a state of fear of these things, which is what a lot of us have right now. Virtually everyone I meet that has a fear of psychedelics is based on these propagandized things, you know, not wanting to basically uh, not wanting to leave the way they're living or change the way they are. But it has to be something you're really drawn to and called to. Mm -hmm. If you really want to change, if you really feel like you're not making any headway or progress in your spiritual practice, psychedelics are what we call an option. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're a potential way for you to change that over the course of just a few hours. Yeah. Uh, another thing I would say is that uh, when it comes to psychedelics, I've noticed that a lot of people also are afraid of a bad trip and they're worried about having bad trips. But the biggest thing that I've come to realize, especially after not using them for five years and then reintegrating them heavily over this past year, is that bad trips really only occur when we're trying to control the experience mm. so the most beautiful part of the psychedelics experience is that they teach you if you listen you can learn a lot from the psychedelic experience you realize a lot things kind of become clear just like when you're watching a movie or you're listening to comedy and you hear a joke you get it mm. you don't have to be explained to you just ah those aha moments mm -hmm. those come through in spades in the psychedelic experience and that's why it's so helpful spiritually to help you start to understand what universal oneness is and what this multi-dimensionality multi of reality might mean and what it means to have this one life and live it fully. It helps you break through these things you might have never really thought about. Uh, but you have to be able to let go in order to do so. The same way that to enjoy a roller coaster, you have to let go of the bars and put your hands up in the air. Mm -hmm. And then once you do that, you're like, oh, I can actually flow with this roller coaster. I'm not like clenching on and hurting myself. Psychedelics are the same way. If you can learn to experience it fully and accept the kind of the discomfort and comfort that comes with it, you'll have these massive, massive, beautiful experiences uh, throughout it. Man, that's with any psychedelic. Every psychedelic also does have their own unique Very experience. unique experiences. Very yeah. different. Very, very different. They're all very yeah. different. What are the ones you've done? I've only really done mushrooms and psychedelics fully. I tried DMT when I was younger, but it wasn't something that I would say, oh, I've done DMT. And so you've only like microdosed... But I've LSD. done, I've not done huge doses of LSD oh, okay. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did a full dose at Arnapurna. Oh, what? Uh, I had more. I yeah, no, I had what? more after, oh, then, after we were up there. But uh, then there's also like research chemicals, which I don't suggest, like 2CI, 25I, NBOME, all these different research chemicals that came after LSD, which Noted. do have toxicity rates and stuff. Where does LSD come from if it's natural? 
LSD, no, LSD's not that. LSD's synthesized. So it's synthesized from, uh, ergo, like, the, like, the rye and fungi on bread. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it comes from a fungi, just, like, psilocybin. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was synthesized by Albert Hoffman, the scientist, mm. in, I think, 1934 or 43, maybe I have him backwards, but he basically was working with the compound, these compounds, trying to synthesize pure chemicals, and he spilled some on his hand. And so it's called Bicycle Day. It's actually a holiday for like LS, for psychedelic users. Wow. But it's the day that he discovered LSD, dropped it on his hand, he was riding his bike home and started tripping, just massively tripping in the middle of, uh, I think it's Switzerland or Sweden. <laughs> uh, but being the scientist he is, he went back to work the next oh day and dropped gosh. more acid on his hand to confirm it was. Was that, And yeah. then it was, and he realized what he discovered. It, it shifted his whole life, changed his whole reality, made him wow. rethink God, religion, everything. Uh, Terrence McKenna even has this thing where he talks about basically saying that you don't really live life unless you've had a psychedelic experience. Like, if you go to the, your grave without ever having a psychedelic experience, you can't say you've lived. Damn. Because it's truly opening you up to a new dimension of existence and a new, new yeah. dimension of experience itself. Oh, uh, but there's, man. That's why it's also there's so many different things that go into, like, having a good trip, you know, and, and setting, like, setting the intentions before you trip. Uh, having somebody trips at you if it's your first time, like having someone sober there to take care of you, to like make, make you drinks sure. and stuff, keep you comfortable if you want to stay indoors. If you're going to be outdoors, making sure it's a safe space you, you know really well or you can have somebody, again, sit with you in, not just going out in the middle of somewhere you don't know and doing it if you've never done it before. Uh, there's so many different things that, to take into account, you know. That's probably super important to make sure that you yeah. have someone around. There's a lot of probably a lot of reasons why yeah. that is immensely important. But what about if you're with somebody super experienced and they're also That's perfect. That that's the yeah. the best thing you can do for your first time is to be with somebody who's also who's already done psychedelics. Yeah. Because they they kind of are like by de facto a teacher for you not a and teacher not just but like a guide once or twice but yeah. like like how we when we hiked on a porno we had a guide yeah. with us and he yeah. knows the route he's done it 50 times yeah. he can answer all our questions yeah. quell all our worries and all our fears yeah an experienced tripper can do the same thing so if it's your first time doing mushrooms or lsd and you're with a friend or someone who's done it plenty of times they can calm you down they can help you relax they can confirm everything's okay all this different stuff right let you know it's going to be fine show you easy ways to have deep experiences like closed eye visuals where you place your hands over your eyes and let the kind of rods and cones in your eyes go crazy and see these fractalized colors and patterns wow. they can take you outside at night and tell you to look at the stars and take it all in there's just lots of good things that it's best to do it with somebody who's experienced tripping or the trip sitter. I wouldn't suggest just do it by yourself. By yourself for your first, first time. time. Yeah. For sure. Just because it's it's leaving yourself open to unpleasant variables. You know, it's unnecessary. Yeah. Well, and also there's a lot of negative side effects that can happen. For example, with ayahuasca, obviously you need a shaman or somebody yeah. with you. Caretakers, um, exactly. Caretakers, you definitely do because people throw up, they might even have seizures, yada, yada. Yeah. And so they definitely need some a caretaker there. And DMT, I know there's a lot of, there's like a burning sensation or something like that. In DMT, you totally leave your body, like you're gone. They're just kind of watching your wow. body while you're off in consciousness. Wow, okay, yeah. wonderful. I've had friends do it. It's just, it's almost as if you like slump, not slump over, but it's just, you're gone into the DMT dimension and they're just making sure your body's okay while you're there. That's so interesting. Isn't there, though, like, a, when you first do it, or there's, like, a cough or, like, a burning cough or throw or something like that that 
It's really... Some people say it smells like burning plastic or something oh, also. interesting. But yeah, it's usually a coffee. Most people smoke it or they vaporize it. Yeah, kind of, the yeah way, they like, vaporize it. Yeah, okay, yeah. what are some negative side effects that people might need to like, look out for? The thing with mushrooms is making sure that you're, getting, you're actually eating psychedelic mushrooms. And that's why it's important oh, to do your research. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't suggest... So when I was in Australia... Do you have a poisonous one? What was that? Could you have a poisonous one? That if you like, don't know what you're doing. And that's yeah. why it's important to do your research, right? That's why in the beginning I'm like looking to Paul Stamets because he's a really good mycologist mm-hmm. and he has mushroom growers guides and guides that show you the psilocybin mushrooms in your area and like where you live, you can research it as well. Uh, that's also, you know, if we, I wish we could talk about where you can get psychedelics, but in certain countries you can just get them in shops, like in Holland and stuff. Right. You can get them. It's just about knowing what a psychedelic mushroom looks like, like what a psilocybin-based yeah. mushroom looks like. Where what you is psilocybin? Live. It's the psychoactive ingredient. Psilocybin is like the, the, the chemical compound in the mushroom that causes the effect in the brain, right. the psychedelic experience. Uh, but one way it's easy to see is a lot of the times, at least in Australia, where we were, is that the stem turns blue when it's really dense mm. with psilocybin. It has a reaction to oxygen. Oh. So when you know kind of what it looks like as well, just to make sure you can like squeeze the stem and it turns blue. Okay, that's it. That has psilocybin, and you take them. That is insane. You lived on a mushroom farm, and you were able to just like basically a mushroom farm. Uh, lived on a farm with mushrooms, definitely. Yeah, most definitely, lots of them. But that's why it's like wherever you're at in the world. You know, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, Northwest of America, you can research which mushrooms grow in that area. Yeah. If you're in Florida, you can research which ones grow in but that area. But for the first time, they should probably just find someone that. Yeah, if you can find someone that sells them. I mean, I've never in my life met somebody who sells mushrooms who doesn't sell a psychedelic mushroom. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they're not gonna just go find a random mushroom in the woods and sell it to you. They could that would land them in prison. <laughs> Uh, so that rarely ever happens. If you're getting mushrooms from whoever your like weed dealer is or something, if yeah. you have that, they're usually legitimate mushrooms. Right. Uh, just make sure they're not giving you like like portobello mushrooms or something. You're getting ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> portobello. It's easier that way, and you can use test kits. Test kits are good ways to do it too, oh, where you put little kits. pieces in it. You can do it with LSD also. They have test kits where you can drop little pieces of your blotter cool. in or a little piece of the mushroom in and you shake it up. And if it turns the right color, you know you have the right compound. Curious about your experience. Annapurna. Yeah. Oh, Annapurna was great. A lot of Annapurna was kind of just feeling the mountain. Mm-hmm. So. And this is your LSD experience, yes? Yeah, yeah. Or this is on LSD and Annapurna. Like, a lot of the hike up there, I just kept thinking that I'm hiking this mountain. I'm hiking up mm-hmm. this mountain. You were pretty like singular um, focused. Yeah, meditate. Like mountains are a very meditative practice for me. I yeah. just I'm in my own zone. I don't talk very much. I'm same. very in the experience. That's why I figured you were probably having the same really deep like experiences oh. for yourself as well because you were alone a lot of the trek and I was alone in the front a lot too. You, we were both alone pretty much the entire trek. Yeah, and and, and Haley as well. Like all yeah, of us. Yeah, it's really good for your mind to just zone into the moment. We just needed that time. Yeah. For us, because it would be nice. We had the. Um, moments in between where we'd all get together, have some coffee, tea, just socialize a little bit, just and then continue and back into continue our back into our meditative, yeah, yeah. And when I got to the top though, uh, and had the psychedelics, I went up to uh, the big ridge where all the um, memorials are, and I walked all the way to the back, and I could see the huge drop off. And the whole time I've been hiking, I kept thinking about how like I was hiking this mountain, and I was going up to Annapurna. And the more I got up there and the more I sat there, I just kept, I started to, again, feel that, that interconnectedness with the mountain, that I'm not just hiking up on a porno, that I am on a porno, that I'm this mountain moving into 
this giant land mass known as the Indo Indochina, I guess you could say, the Chinese Russian land mass. I'm not sure what the name of it is. But that I was that, that I was I was simultaneously this small moving organic compound, but also the entire, you know, geological structure itself over billions of years. And that my energy just happened to be in this place and time where I could self-perceive it or self-witness it uh, and feel that. And it was really beautiful. Like, you know, when you sit up there in the, in the quiet, what's so great is that in the mountain, all you hear is just the rocks cracking and the ice cracking. And this literally, that's what's so powerful about being in, in a glacial area like that in the Himalayas is you can hear the earth moving, the entire planet moving in that space. That was surreal. Yeah, the crust of the earth bending below the other one and one rising and rising and rising. And usually things like impermanence can scare us and the, the, the sh- how short and quick the you know, human experience is. But when you're in that state, the LSD kind of opens you up to like how beautiful it is. It stops being a scary thing. And that's a lot of what the spiritual path is too, is can you love the fear as much as you love the joy, right? Can you love the pain as much as you love the happiness or the pleasure? And so LSD really opens that up, and that's what I was feeling. It's like not scared or not sad that my life is so short in comparison to, say, the mountain that is Annapurna being millions of years old. It's yeah. more so a thankfulness that I get to experience that thought at all, that, that, that realization that, wow, I'm something right here seeing some other aspect of myself. That's not even just a thought. I mean, that's really, truly just an embodiment, a feeling of oneness. Yeah. Like and that's what it felt like. Oneness. And then what was also really interesting was that when we went down the mountain, uh, before we went down, I went out at that. I had a smaller amount uh, at first and went out and sat there and was kind of taking that in. Uh, and then went back before I filmed, I took some more. <laughs> so I had a little bit, but I figured I would go a little deeper and I took some more. Uh, and that's when I went and filmed a few videos. But once we started heading back down the, the mountain, this huge cloud rolled in uh, above us, that giant cloud. Uh, and it, it overtook everything. At first, you could see the entire mountain and all the range and everything and the blue sky and this huge, thick cloud sort of crawling up the mountain because in this mountain range, uh, the wind is so strong that it blows up from the valley into uh, the Annapurna mountain range and drops all the snow and rain there. So this cloud was literally climbing up the mountain, something I've never seen before. You usually see clouds going down. This cloud is going up over us. Uh, and I felt... Like a, almost like a dinosaur. Like I was in like thousands of years ago and feeling this this kind of spatial difference between this era and that era and how these Whoa. mountains were still there and just trying to <laughs> perceptualize these these shifts in time, how, how far and wide they can be. Because one thing humans are really bad at is, is uh, time and like distance. We can understand things from one to a hundred, but when we get to like thousands and tens of thousands and millions, our brain just physically is not strong enough mm-hmm. or mentally capable of processing that mm-hmm. like size difference so it was really interesting not to feel like i wasn't i didn't feel like i was a physical like t- t-rex or something but i felt <laughs> yeah. like, like that prehistoric age and the plants and ficuses up there are so ancient and just living in the middle of winter somehow it felt very very ancient very very classical wow. and it was this really cool experience of bridging those like timelines of these mountains were still there when the dinosaurs were here. They were still there yeah. in the Jurassic era and the Triassic yeah. era and the Paleolithic era. Yeah. So it was really, really cool to, to be up in that space and be feeling that and doing so, you know, on, in that state was, you know, wow. a really unique experience. 
It was a lot of fun. Powerful. And it's one of the few areas you can see that, you know, we're in a city right now filming this podcast and you can't be here and say, oh, this is all something I, I can relate to hundreds of thousands of years ago being here. I know. Even the lakes, you know, lakes know. change, but this, these mountain ranges are the old, some of the oldest on the entire planet. Well, you so. can see, I remember someone, it was you that was like, it almost looks Jurassic yeah. Park and I was looking around and I was thinking about that too. And as a child, because I grew up in... Utah, and apparently, I mean, we have like our dinosaur so areas, yeah. And I would just like look around as a little girl because you're so imaginative yeah. at the time, and I would just picture the different dinosaurs roaming around those lands, yeah. And so I would have my own, I guess, trips <laughs> as a child. <laughs> but I was so curious about your experience and that oneness, that pure oneness that you got to feel. I think that that is. Though it's a concept, I mm-hmm. w- understand and I feel and I see when I really deeply connect with others and nature, it's something that I really want to fully embody and as I know that that's truth. All is in the one and the one yeah. is in all. Yeah. We're and all just an extension of the same thing. And so when we're tracking that, we're all part of our consciousness, part of ourselves that we're checking. And so that was beautiful. Yeah, and that's what, like, one of the final things I realized on it, too, was down at the base when you were kind of asking, and I was like, I'm still tripping a bit, was that, like, the devil really is in the details, as in, like, details cause us to fall out of oneness, you know? So when those, when those, when we got down to our, uh, the lower base camp, we were staying for the night, uh, my trip was still going pretty strong, and everyone was in the other room, and you guys were all in your rooms, and I was sitting out yeah. on that boulder. Yeah. But I was watching this huge boulder off in the distance, and since the fog was so strong, it was so strong that the boulder almost started disappearing. Mm-hmm. And I noticed in my own psyche that the denser the fog got, the more beautiful the boulder appeared because it was just this outline of the boulder, and it was very soft, and it meshed almost with the fog, and the colors were very soft and gentle. And I could kind of feel that that unionization, that fading into of each other, the fog and the boulder. But then as soon as the fog would let up, I could see the whole boulder. And I could see the crags and the cracks and the imperfections and the, wow. the water stains and the quote-unquote ugliness. You know, your ego mind gets when, in and goes, oh, this boulder has a chip there and it's not as pretty here as it is over there. And yeah. those plants are kind of ugly because they're like a really weird brown color. And all those details make something uglier, makes it separate. And every time the, that the fog would let up, I would see just the boulder and it would be like almost this like sandpaper in my mind. Yeah. It would just be very uncomfortable. And then as soon as this fog got really dense again, it would merge back into this beautiful like hueish, greenish, brownish, blackish color that merged into the fog. And so it made me realize how much that the reason it's so hard for us to feel that oneness is because we get so caught up in perceiving things and mm-hmm. identifying things and detailing every little thing we do. And uh, that's why for me, like you guys kind of noticed when we were hiking is I'm just kind of flowing with things. Yeah. Because I noticed for my mind, just like in the trip showed me, is that the more I identify with, the more I identify stuff, the less I love it. Because your ego just keeps yeah. trying to rip things apart and pick things apart yeah. and, and nitpick everything because yeah. that's what we do in the West. We individualize everything rather than seeing reality as the collective consciousness it is the oneness it is so it was, it was a really good reminder for me to step back and stop doing that and you know not just to do it when I'm on acid in the mountains looking at a boulder in the fog but even now in like Pokhara in the middle of this Nepalese city to 
while I'm walking down the sidewalk, not nitpick all these little things, but just kind of see the blur of being that's kind of playing in front of me. So just little things like that are what psychedelics teach you and show you. And then your choice when you experience that is, am I going to take this as a one-off trip that I can, you know, geek out about, or am I going to actually write this down and try to practice this in my life? And that's why setting intentions is so important. And again, deciding where and when you trip is really important too. That was beautiful. I remember actually you told me to sit there when you were like, still you're, yeah. I asked you and you're like, you know, you should meditate and stare at that boulder and watch the yeah. fog go in and out. It's really cool. And it so was, I did. I was experiencing too much to explain yeah. what I had seen yet, but I was like, you but should maybe so, just look at the boulder. Yeah, I got it. I was hoping maybe And I did. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was so I did nice. see what you saw, but I do see how that would actually be such an interesting experience because you can see also that when the boulder does come into full detail you're reminded like oh when they clear everything and everything is released like this is the purity of what it actually is mm -hmm. and it's all imperfect yeah Vishita I love you love you too <laughs> so much I'm so thankful that we've had this experience yeah thank you for having me it's good to chat before you head off to where are you going next um, well, Kathmandu, but then Kathmandu. Bali. Bali, yeah. Have fun in Bali. I'll be in South Korea I, next. I am so excited for your <laughs> South Korea, then Japan. Yeah. By the way, three years ago when we were uh, when we met, or he said that there are two places he hadn't traveled yet, the world. None. And none. he was like, when I do though, there are two stops that I have to make, and that are India and Japan. Yeah. And guess what? He's got India checked. That was like your five world. months in India. Yeah, five months. No big Great deal. time. And Japan is coming up. So this is like huge for Manifestation this anime practice. <laughs> Manifestation in yes. action. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm excited for it. Well, Jaima. Jaima. <laughs> Namaste. Namaste. Dear Yomis, thank you so much, so, so much for lending your ear and taking time, valuable time for your soul to listen to this episode. Today, I am honored to provide this for you and I hope something in this spoke to you and shifted you in some way. I would love to personally connect with your soul on, well, of course, IRL, but also on the Instagrams or the Facebooks. My Instagram, which I am finally active on, is at Raquel Mantra, that is spelled R-A-Q-U-E-L-L-E -L -L -E, Mantra. I'll put that in the show notes. I make sure to not only see and respond to all the comments, but also send love back to you because why not? And then for you to also connect with me and this powerful tribe of like-minded individuals, high-vibing individuals to, to raise your vibrations, feel free to join us in the Euro Magic secret Facebook group. That will also be left in the show notes. And feel free to browse yourownmagic.life. I have some free guided meditations on there and more information about upcoming retreats and events. And of course, my offering, my service is the Soul Tribe exclusive site, which is $44.44 USD. This is for life for you to receive many meditations and the most recent one was to help you reprogram your subconscious mind to see your highest potential in a hypnotic state. For example, like reprogramming your subconscious mind to see your highest potential while you're in a hypnotic state. 
along with others like activating your third eye or short, simple ones to ease you into your morning or alleviate anxiety and a lot of deep imaginings, which I love to do personally is to just visualize and expand my imagination so I can be more creative in my day. In addition to that, other soul expanding journalings to ask yourself every morning and magic challenges and other spiritual rituals, yada yada. (laughs) Anyway, I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening and have a magical day.